Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Another question for you, Prof. What's your opinion on full rights for embryos, which in some cases means fertilized eggs created in the process of IVF and not implanted in a woman? Would they have the same legal rights as children? And should they? <laughs> I mean, it's a debatable question. The first step in that conversation is what I would what I say to patients when they've got excess embryos and they don't know what to do with them. And I know I worry that they are potentially throwing away a potential child. In nature, we we know from measuring hormone levels in women in their in the second half of their cycle, i.e. after they have ovulated and fertilization may have occurred. We know that in young women in the 30s, something like 60% of cycles reach a point where they're producing pregnancy hormones. In other words, there must have been fertilization, there must have been attachment to the uterus. And, and, but, sorry, it's not and, but when it comes to the missed period, only 15% of those will actually be ongoing. So of the original 60%, we're down to 15. So three quarters of all embryos created in nature don't work don't create a pregnancy so you're not so your your embryos that you have that you've had your two or three children each one of those really only has a, a relatively small chance of actually being a baby in the long term so to some extent that reassures them that that information then but then but there are people who are, who are attached to them i mean i've certainly had patients who wanted to do or ha- who wanted to and did come to the laboratory we took the stores where they we store them, gave them to them, and they took and they took them and gave them a burial in, in the, at their home, so as a tribute to them being part of the pathway. So that's you know, that that option is there. There's obviously an option of actually giving those embryos to a woman who doesn't make eggs, or and their partner doesn't have any sperm. So uh, uh, embryo donation is a possibility. My experience is that 99% of patients don't want to go down that route because they do see it as if there is a child there, it's sort of like adopting out a child. However, for particular couples in particular situations, that's their only way. And, and I've certainly had, you know, had very happy parents in that scenario as a result of people's generosity. I would say there's a lot of counselling that goes along with that, both together, uh, what sort of relationship are we going to have with that child or not. Uh, there's a lot of talking to be done 
before we set out on that route. There are people who come to me and say, I only want to fertilise three eggs because I don't want to be in the situation of having excess embryos. Again, that's uncommon, but I've certainly had it and you know, we abide by their wishes. So, yeah, the next question that follows on that is what about all these frozen eggs? Because the data is very convincing <laughs> so far. It's been around for about a decade, but even those countries where egg freezing has been in place for more than a decade, the maximum, I think it's Spain, is up to about 20% of those women coming back. We saw some data at this meeting suggesting it was actually in Australia, it's, it's less than 15% are actually coming back for their, embryo, for their eggs that they froze in the possibility that they might need them later on. Now, that we haven't in Australia been doing this in any significant way more than about five years. So you know, women in their early 30s are now not even 40. So once they hit 40 and above, we may see many more of these women come back for their eggs. But in the meantime, they found Mr. Wright. They found a relationship. And these women aren't infertile women. They can get pregnant on their own. But it does provide a degree of backup. But if they do get pregnant on their own uh, and they've got this bank of eggs that they're paying somewhere 250 or you know, some clinics more a year, do they want to keep those eggs or not? Or what do they do with them? And obviously, they, one thing we're short of <laughs> in Australia in particular is donor eggs for women who can't, whose ovaries have run out of eggs. And I think we'll be, there'll be some increasing pressure or, for women to consider that as an option rather than th just you know, throw them down the drain. So, yeah, there's some, we keep having in, in the IVF world, we keep having ethical dilemmas thrown up. It's part of what keeps us all very interested. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website, www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.